0: Amen. I, too, have been encouraged by these testimonies. We've got more today and a couple more next week, and then uh, we'll be done for a while with that and move to a different uh, theme or whatever, but I know God is moving. Just as well, a way of reminder, this coming Saturday, the 24th, I'm encouraging you to be here, 730, Uh, my bishop is coming from Maine. And we're going to, I, I felt in the Holy Ghost to call it apostolic impartation. I believe there's going to be a special thing take place on Saturday night. He will also be preaching next Sunday in our second half as well. And I believe God's going to do miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe God's going to impart some things into this church on a grand scale. And so I want you to be here in Jesus' name. In fact, I feel like this is what the Holy Ghost has told me. We, we've sandwiched the book of April by having Brother Ryan near come in at the beginning and, and we don't have to repeat everything he preached but I believe that opened that door and prepared us and I believe Bishop is coming to put that, that other end of that bookmark on it and God's going to do some great things Amen. Acts chapter 10 verse 1 there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius the centurion of the band called the Italian band and that's not like a you know, music band by the way a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And He said unto him, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell you what you ought to do. When the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. That's where Peter was. Amen. And Peter's about to have his own angelic encounter and, and then he'll go with about six of the, of the Jewish or circumcision party, they called it. But today I want to preach just for a little bit on this thought, when Pentecost interrupts the preaching. <laughs> when Pentecost interrupts the preaching. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the word. It is the living Word. It is the written Word, and you are those things. Now today, make my tongue the pen of a ready writer and write that Word on our hearts, opening our understanding that we might comprehend the Scriptures, cause every hindrance to be rebuked and brought to the captivity of Jesus Christ, and let us be convicted and converted, and we pray it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you shout amen? Amen. Clap your hands one more time and bless the Lord. Hey, man, you may be seated. One encounter with Jesus is enough to transform your life forever. One encounter with Jesus turns mistakes into miracles, pain into purpose, and turmoil into a testimony. I want you to know, here in this building or watching online, you can repent today and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I want you to know you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Because it wasn't a one-time outpouring, it was a one-time thing or for one group of people it's still available today for whosoever will you can be forgiven delivered healed saved set free and leave a different person than you came you can have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ today let's talk about Cornelius for just a minute he is a Roman centurion now I'm going to draw the best I can to explain this because we're not in Jerusalem around 29, 30, 40, 50 A.D. We're not there with Roman, uh, uh, you know, uh, Romans uh, taking over and, 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 and all of that. So it's hard for us to grasp. But, but just bear with me for a minute. He commands a garrison. And because he's not just a centurion but of the Italian band, this would mean it's about 1,000 soldiers under his command. His post was Caesarea. This is a coastal city that's on The uh, Mediterranean Sea so it's a very pivotal point militarily and otherwise. Cornelius by being a Roman was a pagan. He would have been raised to worship idol gods such as Janus and Jupiter and Saturn and Mercury and Apollo and many others. He would have been raised to pray to his ancestors and worship them and even to worship Caesar as a physical God on earth. But somewhere somehow Cornelius has heard about the one true God. Somewhere in his course of life in his military service somewhere he's heard about this god and and no doubt this god who became flesh jesus and so in spite of his pagan upbringing he feared the bible says the one true god and prayed to him without ceasing that's pretty amazing for a pagan Especially one who doesn't even have the Holy Ghost yet. Especially one who doesn't know all about there is to know about God yet. He's heard enough about Him to know I'm going to pray to Him every day. I'm going to pray without ceasing. And so I have to step back and ask the question, Who told Him? Where did He hear about Jesus? Here's something else that intrigues my mind. There's at least three centurions in the Bible that stand out. You have the one that comes to Jesus and says, Lord, my servant is sick. And Jesus says, I'll go. And he says, no, just speak the word. I'm a man in authority and under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and yet, you know, and all this. And, and Jesus is amazed by his faith and says, well, okay, then. I've not seen all this kind of faith in Israel. Then fine, your servant's healed. Go. And the Bible says at the same hour, his servant was healed. And when he meets them on the road the next day, his servants, other servants, they said, yeah, your son is healed now. And he was healed this very same hour. He knew it was the hour Jesus had prophesied. Maybe it was that centaurian. I don't know. Maybe it was the centaurian at the cross who looking up as Jesus drew his last breath and as blood and water flowed from that pierced side and he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Maybe he told Cornelius about I don't know. I'm just trying to guess. I, there, there's, there's blanks here that we're trying to fill in and I'm not trying to make the Bible say something it doesn't. Please don't misunderstand me, but, but I hope I'm not the only one that wonders about these things. Where did Cornelius hear about Jesus? I don't know. I can only speculate as to how he may have heard. But this I know. He was devout to God. Not just himself but all his house. You know what that tells me? That tells me he went to his wife and said, hey, sweetheart, listen, I've heard about this one true God. We're going to pray to him. I know we prayed to all these other gods. We're going to pray to him. He went to his sons and daughters and said, I know that we're raised to pray to ancestors, but there's something about this one true God. We're going to pray to him too. That would also included his servants that was in his house. Wow. Wow. <laughs> i don't even have the holy ghost yet he's already a good good christian (laughs) he prayed to god always and gave alms to those in need now i want to say something bold here being devout giving alms to the poor fearing god and praying always was not enough to be saved Those things might have earned Cornelius Citizen of the Year, Volunteer of the Month, or some other thing. But he would have been lost for eternity. I want somebody hearing me, especially online. Maybe you're listening in the archive. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. It's not enough to do good works to be saved. Amen. It's not enough to pray daily. It's not enough to give alms to the poor. There's more you've got to do. But somewhere in that praying daily, somewhere in that giving of alms to the poor, somewhere in that devoutness of Cornelius, God said, I'm about to do a new thing. Hey, angel, I need you to go down and talk to Cornelius. I need you to go visit Cornelius. His prayers are coming up as a memorial and I want to do something in his life. Oh, I'm telling you, if you're hungry enough for God, He'll find you. Or better yet, you'll find Him. Hallelujah. Being a Gentile, He obeys. Now, He worshiped multiple gods. He prayed to dead ancestors. So He's probably, but I don't know that, in fact, I, I do know, none of them ever appeared to Him. But he's praying to the one true God yeah. <laughs> and this angel. Now, can you imagine one day? I mean, just, you, you. Brother Russell, you're just, you're just praying. It's your normal prayer time. And all of a sudden, you open your eyes and there's an angel center. Hey, what's up, Russell? Fist bump, brother. Right? And you're like, whoa. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> no wonder he feared. He's like, oh, what is it, Lord? What did I do wrong? When the angel told him what to do, he said, okay. Now, Brother Keith, you shared in your testimony how that you don't recall getting home one evening. Maybe an angel drove your car. You know, who knows? Uh, You know... There's been other testimonies that, that have come through in the past couple of months here that have indicated a hunger for more of God, a wanting to know more of His truth. And even though an angel didn't visit you, uh, maybe it was God prompting you. Maybe you read a verse. Maybe you heard a song. Or maybe somebody talked to you. But somehow you had something that, that got you closer on that journey to finding God. And here's what's interesting about Cornelius. Now again, I want, I want to emphasize. They have to swear allegiance to Caesar. Caesar. Not just as their emperor, but as their God. So what's what he's about to do? The Bible says he brings two of his household servants and a devout soldier who waited on him and tells them what's happened and says, go get Peter for me. This is interesting to me me because any one of them could have gone to Cornelius' superior officer and said, "Um, this guy's worshiping this one true God. And if it would have been further investigated, it would have been found out that this is that same guy that claimed to be God in the flesh, that was king of Israel, that was crucified, that started riots, quote-unquote. Cornelius probably would have been killed. So, so here, here is what is interesting to me. None of them did that. None of them tattled on him. Further significance to me is he's got a thousand men under his command. You know, news is going to spread about what has happened. When those servants and that soldier are getting ready to leave, hey, where are you going? Uh, The master Cornelius is sending us on a journey to Joppa to get Peter. And and an angel appeared to him and and told him that his alms are coming up before his prayers are coming up as a memorial. Well, which gods he prayed to? Is it Janus? Is it Jupiter? No, it's the one true God. Well, who's that? Uh, Jesus, I think, uh, we're going to go find out. Any one of them soldiers could have gone to a superior officer. Yeah. Here's what it tells me. Either A, they either believed him, or at least or B, were willing to tolerate his belief in another God. Yeah. And both could be possible. I don't know. You, you make your own conclusion. But this is significant because of what's about to happen. Peter comes back. Now, I don't have time to preach about Peter's experience. And then Annette gets let down and he sees all these uh, uh, things that, that you know not supposed to eat. I, I, I will mention this. Here, here's what's interesting. If Peter would have been smart enough to remember what Jesus had said to them one time, there was a time when Jesus was, was teaching and the Pharisees said, hey, you haven't washed your hands before you eat. Now, I do recommend you do that, by the way. Okay. But what they were saying it for was they were believing that what you put into the body made it. Uh, defiled. And Jesus said, no, it's what comes out of a man. It's not food. And, and actually, Mark gots, Mark's gospel records that by saying this, he made all foods okay to eat. Therefore, Jew no longer had to worry about not eating pork. Yeah. They could have bacon and eggs if they wanted to. Amen. <laughs> when I went to Israel a couple years ago, of course, many of them, most of them, all of them still practice that. You don't know how good it felt to land on American soil and go get me a double-decker bacon cheeseburger. My Lord, you don't know how much you miss bacon until you don't have it for 10 days. But anyways, Jesus had said it was okay. But here's Peter, long after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and he's like, oh, I can't eat that. It's, It's unclean. You pompous, proud man. Don't call common what God has called clean so Peter finally goes right he gets there he's got some Jews with him and and he starts preaching and he's, he's getting into the heat of it. And he's right in the middle of it. And, and he's just a, a going to town preaching. And watch what the Bible says in Acts chapter 10. And while Peter yet spake these words, he's right at the good part. He's right at the, the, the peak moment. The Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the Holy Ghost. Now, how did they know the Holy Ghost was being poured out? The next verse says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Hallelujah. And they begin to realize that's what happened to us in an upper room. It's happening to them as well. Hallelujah. And Pentecost interrupted the preaching. And Peter says, well, hey, if they're talking in tongues, then that must mean that God approves. Therefore, can any man forbid water? Hallelujah. Watch what happened. Verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I have a question. How many were hearing Peter preach? We could probably assume mom, dad, two or three kids, those two servants, and that soldier. So, you know, you could, you could, if you want to be conservative, you could say at least about 10. We're probably hearing him preach. Is that fair enough? But what if, <laughs> what if centurion Cornelius had said "Uh, soldiers I need you all here for something need you to listen to what this man's about to preach I don't know was it all 1,000 of them I don't know I'd like to think it was. I'm, I'm a little bit more liberal in that mindset. I'm, I'm more the optimist, you know. I see the glass half full. But, uh, but however many it was really is not up for, for discussion because the Scripture doesn't tell us. But we do know this. All them which heard the Word. If that was two or 12 or 15 or 1,000, all them which heard the Word began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave utterance i want somebody to know here today you may have been raised a pagan you may have been raised around false gods but if you hunger for god like cornelius you too can be born again if you're here and you're watching or here in person and have not repented or been baptized in Jesus' name, or spoke in tongues, I want you to consider doing it today. Why not give Jesus a chance? Because today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time. Hallelujah. And by the way, Jesus is coming soon, and you must be born again of the water and the Spirit to, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. I'm glad when Pentecost interrupts the preaching. Amen. And although I've used that as my my title, I want to just, just qualify one thing. God never has to interrupt this service. Have you ever heard somebody say, the Lord interrupted our service today and we had a move of God. If God had to interrupt, there's a problem. Because Brother Chris, he's the head of this church. He don't have to interrupt. He just intervenes. So even though I used it in my title, it, it, it kind of what sounded the best for you know, the time. But, but in, in, in all reality, if ever there's one of those services where the preacher don't get to preach, it, it ain't because he weren't prepared. And it ain't because God interrupted. It's because God intervened. Hmm. Well. And, and even if that doesn't happen that way, he still intervenes. Just by a show of hands, just real quick. Just a show of hands. Uh, uh, here. How many of you today have have felt something special from God? How many of you maybe felt God heal you or touch you? I mean, just look around. There's probably 50 hands raised. That's what I mean. Amen. That happens all the time. Praise God. Amen. Well, we've got some testimonies today. I, I want to just say one thing. I can't wait to start preaching longer again. I just want you to know this has been a difficult thing. For two and a half months to stop after 15, 20 minutes, you know? But I'm loving what God is doing. And I want every one of you to know who have testified, thank you for your testimonies and those that are coming. Sister Melissa is gonna come and start today. So praise God. Let's give her our attention.
2: Well, I'm just thankful I didn't trip and fall. All right, so um, my grandma raised her children in a Pentecostal church, and um, my mom, when she became an adult, she stepped away from God, and, uh, but my Aunt Lisa, she was like my second mom, um, she stayed faithful to God, and she would always pick us up and take us to church every Sunday. I attended Revival Tabernacle in Papillion for most of my teenage years. I was baptized in Jesus' name and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost when I was 13 years old. I was involved in the youth group and attended youth camp where I met my dear friend, Alicia. Um, As I got more into high school and I met new friends, I turned away from God. I started partying and drinking and smoking and making really bad decisions. Occasionally, I would attend church, but it really just wasn't what I wanted in my life. I haven't really lived for Jesus since then. A couple of years ago on Thanksgiving morning, I woke up, and my cousin, who was staying with us at the time, she was screaming downstairs. And my Aunt Lisa, who I mentioned before, lived with us. She kind of always has. Like I said, she was like my mom. Anyways, my Aunt Lisa passed away that early morning on Thanksgiving, and it was very devastating for all of us, and more so for my children, who considered her as, as their grandma. My Aunt Lisa was a woman of God, and I felt him pulling me toward him. This, I believe, is where Jesus said, come home. But I still didn't listen a year ago a year goes by and depression anxiety has settled into all of us and life was just sad we considered moving out of our home and down to texas i even had my two oldest move down south with their father so we could get everything sold and make the move i was i was thinking and praying about to about the move it just didn't feel right and i changed our minds (laughs) i changed our minds (laughs) um Um, we all, well, then corona hit, and my two oldest were still down south, and I heard God tell me, it is time to bring my children home. This time I listened. <clears throat> I started talking to Jesus more and more, and one day I asked God if he could give me the strength to stop smoking. I didn't care what it took. He can not even make me super stick to where I would never want to pick up a cigarette again. I really don't recommend that. So one night I was sitting on the couch watching TV with my husband and everything in my body just went numb. And it was hard to breathe. My husband thought I was having a heart attack because my chest started hurting and I was going numb. He called 911 and I was rushed to the hospital. After some testing, the doctor said that it w- I was just having a panic attack and gave me something to calm down and sent me home. The next morning I got down on my knees and I prayed and I never picked up a cigarette again. I opened up my Facebook and seen Alicia. I talk about her favorite place to be and hashtags my TCOO. I was like, yep Lord, that's where I'm gonna go. My life has been changing, my heart has been changing, and one day my husband and children's hearts will start to change. I believe it and I declare it in Jesus' name that one day my whole family will be here with me walking with God. I thank him for his mercy and his love endures forever. And I thank you, TCOO, for welcoming me with such love. Thank you.
0: Amen. Daniel in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, you going first? Okay, all right. Amen. So happy for this wonderful couple. I'm glad Daniel is back. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah.
3: Well, I'm sorry if I'm kind of all over the place. I started taking notes, and then it just didn't feel right, and it wouldn't come together. So I'm kind of winging it. I am third generation Pentecostal. Um, I was first born of three. My dad was a pastor, church superintendent, uh, Sunday school director. Um, So I've been in church my whole life, basically. Um, Around 10 or 11, my dad started slipping away from God and stopped coming home. Um, When he did come home, he was very abusive verbally, mentally. Started doing drugs, alcohol, um, and it was very hard for me to see, especially as I had younger siblings to look after. Um, over time, my heart grew very callous and I was very bitter. And around 15 or 16, I thought, what's the point? Like, everywhere I look, I'm You know, I have fears and I'm hurt. What's the point of serving God? And so my grandparents, um, we, my dad kind of uprooted us um, from our family and our home church and moved us out of state. And um, my mom didn't have money for rent or food or anything. And our church in Idaho would bring my mom groceries and help with Christmas gifts. And I could see how hard it was for my mom just making it day after day alone. And I would, I would talk to God and say, look at like, look what you're allowing to happen. Like, look how hurt my mom is. Look how hard it is on us. So over the next five or six years, I was very bitter. Um, and I really intentionally separated myself from God. And eventually we moved back home. My mom left my father. My grandparents came and drove us away. And um, my dad ended up following us to California from the state, from Idaho. And he would, we were back into our home church where, we, where I was born and raised. And um, so I decided I'm going to try to refresh and connect with God again and be involved. Well, my dad had followed us and he would show up at church and our work and our schools and just stalk and be verbally abusive. And it just brought back everything that I thought that I was escaping from. So I really struggled on and off with my relationship with God, and I, I was very angry at God for a really long time. My early 20s, I got involved in the youth and um, in our college and career group, I started dating my now husband, Daniel, <laughs> um, and I was doing really good. And then I got sick. Um, And again, it's so easy to blame God when things aren't going good, you know? Like, you have all the control and things are out of control. And so, the last five years, I told God, I said, if I, even if I I mean, I know I'm human, even if I fail, even if I'm inconsistent. I will always, always get back up and look to you every single time. And I can say he's never failed me, not once. It might not be my timing, which I'd prefer, but he has been there every step of the way. And just because I don't have a father, an earthly father, it does not mean that God has not come through tenfold and replaced what my dad left a hole in my heart. God filled that. And so I just want to share a couple scriptures that keep me going um, and that are my favorites. And I really hope that they help you. Before that, one thought is when David faced Goliath, he didn't talk about how dangerous Goliath was. He talked about how great God is. Go. Don't talk fear, talk faith. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Yes. Second Timothy 1.7, For God give us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and yes. self-control. First John 1.7, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Oh, Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, First Peter 5.6, humble yourselves, therefore under God, my, God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Oh, Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth... Comparing with the glory that will be revealed in me. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I will bless you with a future filled with hope, a future of success and not of suffering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes three, one. Everything on earth has its own time and its own season. Yes. Lamentations three twenty-five. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Yes to the one who seeks him. Amen. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Thank you. And Luke 1.37, for no word from God will ever fail.
0: Amen. Amen. So good. Thank you, sister, brother Daniel. Amen. Love you, my brother.
4: So fun fact, I have known my wife since I was about five years old and though she will deny it till the day she dies, she abused me. That's what you get when you put a firstborn and a thirdborn together. Uh, But uh, like Brooklyn, um, I was raised Pentecostal. I've been in it since the day I was born. Uh, Both of my older brothers, my whole family's been raised in it. We are uh, second-generation Pentecostals. And, uh, you know, all my life, it is is all that I knew. I lived it. I breathed it. My parents fed it to me every single day. I was involved in uh, youth ministry. I was involved in children's ministry, choir, you name it. my parents were raising me and my brothers to kind of just be the stellar examples of you know pentecostals in our church and um there uh came a time when you know finally I, I was a teenager my brothers were one of them was already an adult but my middle brother was a teenager when we finally got introduced to our youth group we had a youth pastor who uh He was a pretty fun guy, but at the same time, you could say he's questionable, his character was. And there came a time where uh, he deeply hurt both of my eldest brothers, and um, it really shook them, and they felt like they couldn't trust anyone, and especially because everyone that we were growing up with was in the youth group under this person. We kind of felt like they were all being poorly influenced by him, and we felt like we had no one to trust but ourselves. And then our parents kind of held us to a standard that was even higher than I would assume a preacher's kid would be raised. And it kind of developed, I developed an ego, so did my brothers, that we were exemplary and we were kind of above other people. But while we were growing up, we didn't see it that way. We just thought we're living by the way our parents raised us to be, and if that happens to be further along than other people, so be it. And we always had an attitude about us that we never recognized. We were proud, and we felt like we were at the front line of everything. Yeah, We even, you know, got recognition by our home pastor back home in California, and uh Well, it got to our heads. And, you know, after this man who was our youth pastor left, someone who was under him for the longest time who grew up in our youth group, he became the youth pastor. And because we thought, well, he was groomed by this person before him, why should we expect anything different? And it caused a divide where, you know, it was us and then every other member of the youth group and the youth team. And, uh... It was really hard because me and my brothers, we felt like outcasts in our own church that we grew up in and that we were just too different. And we ended up having our own little group. We felt like everyone else was cliquish. So we might as well have our own. And it caused a little bit of a rift between us and some of the other people in our church. And, you know, we thought that we were doing things right. And we weren't. And eventually, that turned into something sour, where all three of my brothers we walked away from the church. I joined the military, and I felt like everything that I had been brought, I had been taught to live. I was free from, and that I could live my life how I wanted. I didn't have to live under a microscope. Yeah. Right. And uh, you know, my eldest brother got involved with a girl. And you probably know where I'm going with this. <laughs> he, uh, he ended up walking away and believing a lot of stuff that she told him. My middle brother ended up moving to Texas to uh, live with a uh, family that we have out there where uh, he, would, he would be engaged to a girl that he was specifically moving out there for. You know, We grew up with her in the church as well. And things didn't work out. Uh, the engagement was called off. He was hurt. He came home and he was a completely different person, broken and angry. So, all three of us at the same time, we thought, well, we're adults now. We can live our lives how we want. So, you know, I, especially when I was away from home, I was drinking a lot. I found the wrong kinds of people to hang out with, but I made them my lifeline. And I thought, well, I don't have my family. I don't have any church friends. So these are my people now. My air for all these people I've met in the Air Force are my family now, and this is Air Force culture. So, you know, well, what is the word for it? Uh, not transform, but uh, conform to the uniformity that is that culture. And I ended up doing a lot of really just make- making a lot of terrible decisions that was affecting my relationship with Brooklyn. She. You know, there were a lot of things that I did that. Um, <sighs> there were a lot of things that I did where she had every right not to stay. And a lot of that behavior carried over into our marriage. Um, I'm grateful that she made the choice, and it is by God's grace that I still have her today. I hurt her, I hurt my family, and thankfully, I have parents who never stop praying. They have never given up on me or my brothers. And when I was done with, uh, with all of my training after two years of being away from home, I got to spend a month at home with her and with my family back home in California. And I got to reconcile a lot of things at home. But there was still a lot of brokenness that needed to be fixed. And where I was in life, I had kind of just walked out on God. And I thought, well, I'm just living my life on my own. I know that my parents are praying for me. I'm grateful. But I'll let them do that. And I'm not going to worry about it. I figured if they are praying for me, why should I pray for myself? And I had that mentality for a long time. And uh, it was definitely... An act of God that we ended up here, because one Sunday when we were before we were leaving to Nebraska, um, I believe it was IBC came through, and uh, brother our B- uh, bishop's son Myron was or sorry Braxton, <laughs> Braxton was there, and the uh, the leader of the group said, hey or our our uh, pastor said, you know these. Brooklyn and Daniel, we're, they're going to Nebraska. And the leader said, hey, we have someone who's from Omaha. You, we can connect you with him. And after, after that service, we connected with Braxton. And he told us about the church. And when we came here, we ended up coming to this church. And I am forever grateful for that because, you know, we have Joey and Alex and then my good buddy, Sam, who have been a really good... Friendship they've been the greatest friends to us since we've been here and have been a lifeline for us because even after getting here there was a, a solid time where I was still questioning whether I really wanted to come to church and Brooklyn was the anchor for this one She wanted to come and I wanted to sleep in on a Sunday and whenever, you know, the way my, okay, so the way my dad was, was, you know, if I wanted to do something, he'd question it and say, do you really want to do this? And I'd say, yeah. And then he'd say, well, do what you got to do. And nothing stops you dead in your tracks more than when your parents say, do what you got to do, when they know that they don't want you to. You just feel guilty and you don't do it. It's not fun. But she would get up in the morning and she would start getting ready and... I would just lay in bed for a half an hour and just gripe and complain to myself until I finally got out of bed and I would say, I'm not letting you go alone. And I would come. But back in 2017, late summer, early fall, there was a church service here where I had not even spoken to Sam yet, ever. And he just randomly just walked up the wall over here and asked to pray for me. And I had a breakthrough I hadn't felt yeah. in two and a half years at that point. <laughs> and that, that was a turning moment for me, because you know, even then, I was still bringing alcohol into the house, and I finally went home and I told Brooklyn I'm dumping it all down the drain. Hallelujah. So it was a turning point for, for both me and her. And ever since then, I've been so grateful to to be here at TCOO. And I love all of you, and I thank you for accepting us into your family.
0: Amen, amen. So thankful for all these wonderful, wonderful testimonies. As the praise team comes this morning, amen, and gets ready to sing, I want to just first say how proud we are of Avery going to this North. Uh, help me, what is it? North what? North Central Extravaganza Extravaganza was on the all-tournament team as the highest scorer. Come on now. Tell me that's not awesome. Amen? And then we are so glad to have Sister Linda here today. Praise God. Howard's mom. Amen. And kind of a a mom to Dana as well. We're just glad she's here and glad you all are here. Amen? now guests that are here god bless you thank you for coming amen we want to get to know you better but we're going to sing one more song and i'm going to tell you if you want to pray you want to repent today's your day because god can write your name down in glory he can write your name in heaven today if you'll let him why don't we stand together lift our hands lift our voices come on go ahead and clap your hands and praise him a moment go ahead and thank him a moment i'm glad there's a new name Written down in glory, hallelujah. I'm glad to know Jesus wrote my name down and he can write yours as well. Hey, hallelujah. I was lost in shame,
1: because my blame until he called my name. And I'm so glad he changed me. Marcus helped me down. Save hey, me, see The I am tells me who I am I am who I am of my story and he's mine, yes he's mine.
0: Miguel's over here speaking in tongues as we're singing about a new name getting written down in glory. Come on, God's doing it right now. Hey. believe that today, say, Jesus is my, everywhere, Jesus is my, everywhere, hallelujah, everywhere I go, everywhere I
1: think, oh, Jesus is my,
0: hallelujah, come on, he can do it for you, He can do it for you. Hallelujah. Do you believe that today? Amen, amen. God bless you. If you have questions about Jesus, you have questions about the Holy Ghost, amen, talk to one of us, text us from online, amen, leave a comment, God's doing a great work. God bless you in Jesus' name.